Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Welcome back to the Fiction Studio Radio. I'm your host, Michael Clark. Clean drinking water. It's something that in North America, for most of us who live in urban centers and who live um, in places that, that have running water and live in industrialized and, and mechanized communities take for granted. We go and we buy bottled water because hey, we just don't like the way the tap water tastes. We put in water purification things into our house, reverse osmosis and things like that into our homes because, well, the city does this, the city does that to, to our water. And it just doesn't taste funny. Taste we don't like the way it tastes. Well, let's, let's forget about that we don't like the way it tastes. What if we were drinking the water and the water was making us sick? The water was giving us cancer. The water was poisoning us. It was eating away at our digestive systems. It was destroying our bodies. It was eating our skin, giving us rashes whenever we bathe. Imagine that. And now I want you to imagine that it's happening on the First Nation Reserve that is nearby you. Because their water is being poisoned by the same industrialization that is cleaning our tap water. Or because somebody put a dam and that dam for hydroelectricity is leaking toxins into the water system so that the people downstream from that dam are drinking those toxins. Imagine having a boiled water advisory since 1991. Most of us would find that unacceptable, and we would protest, we would picket, and 
we would stand in front of the city hall, the mayor's office, the city councilor's offices until we got action. These same people that are living in these conditions on these reservations have been screaming. They've been protesting all these years with no action to come until now. And then it comes in the form of a court settlement that will give, give compensation but the compensation can only go back six years because that's as far as the judge will allow the compensation to happen. We're going to hear about this from people um, in this next segment. And they're being, uh, they're in, in the audience and on Zoom. Um, also speaking to Patty Heyju, Federal Minister of Indigenous Services, who is holding a news conference to present the, these people to us as the public and also to announce $8 billion in safe drinking water as a settlement agreement. The settlement agreement is a monetary amount that will be paid for the pain and suffering to, to these people but where's the plan to fix the water? These people need the clean drink, drinking water the same as we do. And our government should be providing them with that clean drinking water. de la population sont inversées. La population euh, est de plus en plus vieille. L'immigration est insuffisante selon Statistique Canada. Quoi faire? Est-ce qu'il faudra demander aux Canadiens de travailler euh, plus, plus, plus tard dans leur vie ou accroître l'immigration? Bien, on sait que euh, ça fait longtemps qu'on voit ça venir avec le vieillissement de la population, particulièrement dans certaines régions du pays. Euh, ça fait longtemps qu'on investit dans plus de formation pour s'assurer que les jeunes puissent euh, avoir de meilleurs emplois. Euh, on s'assure euh, de continuer à augmenter nos niveaux d'immigration. On continue à s'assurer que euh, les aînés ont plus de choix. S'ils veulent continuer à, à, à travailler, s'ils veulent prendre leur retraite, on va s'occuper d'eux. Euh, oui, c'est des défis, mais ça fait longtemps qu'on euh, qu est en train de travailler là-dessus. I think uh, Canadians will make choices, but we need to make sure uh, that we're giving people the opportunity to either to retire in dignity and safety, which is why uh, we're making investments in long-term care. We're also increasing immigration. We're focusing on making sure uh, that we're giving young people the best training and education opportunities so they can get the best possible jobs that will support the population. These are all things that are not new challenges, uh, but we've been there to support seniors, including with uh, restoring the age of retirement from 67, which Mr. Harper put it at, to 65, but there's lots more to do. Merci tout le monde. Listen, we, we have an aging population. I think we all know that, but, uh, you know, much of that, the fastest part of that population growth is like 85 and up. So I think that there's a concern that there's going to be a labor shortage uh, moving forward. So what's the plan in terms of meeting that gap? 
Well, on skilled labor, we've got a labor shortage right now. We've got a significant skilled labor shortage. In fact, if you look at all the things that we're confronting, whether it be a climate crisis and when people talk about just transition or a housing crisis, you know, either one of these, it requires people to actually know how to do the work. They've got to do the work. In the short term, doing things like even a labor mobility tax deduction in which workers can actually you know, not pay a penalty because they're just traveling to go to where the work is is helpful. Uh, in the medium term, I would say making sure that we have good skilled trade centers uh, is, is very helpful. And that, you know, where we can find ways to address that labor shortage, great. Also, I would say in the medium term, dealing with immigration. Right? How do we make sure that we recognize foreign credentials? How do we make sure that we better recognize credentials within our own domestic market, you know, between provinces, right, who look after the bulk of that at accreditation? And I think in the long term, how do we tell a new generation of young people out there that the skilled trades are where it's at? It's great work. It's interesting work. It's fulfilling work. And the pay is great. And, uh, you know, some of the places I've gone to across the country, they're doing a really good job, unions, provinces, federal government, and trying to figure, trying to expose young people, because I'm old enough that I remember that we had wood shop and metal works and stuff, and at least you were exposed to it in school. Uh, a lot of people aren't, and, you know, these days. So we need to expose them, especially if we want to get more women in the workforce, more racialized people in the workforce, more LGBTQ, and especially, I think, more indigenous the biggest demographic boom in this country continues to be indigenous people. So if we can get more people, First Nations, Inuit, Métis communities working in the skilled trades, that will be a help. But it is a problem. It um, is a problem. The other thing you mentioned is foreign credentials recognized, and that's a complicated issue. It is. We talked about it for a long time. I mean, uh, what are the, the key facets here? Because it seems like there's provincial coordination, guilds, uh, medical colleges, and the like. Uh, how do you get people on board to standardize that? Can the federal government try and make that a a centralized recognition for foreign credentials, for example. You gotta, you gotta deal with the provinces and territories on it. Even me as federal labor minister, I've got about 5% of the workforce, 5% of, of, uh, of the Canadian economy. The other 95 are provinces and territories. So you gotta work with them. But I have to say, um, uh, in my short time in this ministry, the, the best ideas really are, and the drive often comes from unions. And look, when you've got a skilled labor shortage and it's recognized by people and it's recognized as being central to lowering emissions, building up renewables and our housing crisis, it's amazing how that has all of a sudden focused the mind, not just of the federal government and different departments working together, but provincial governments. Provincial governments are on board. My, my last one is, are yeah. Canadians, if what's your message to Canadians who think, my goodness, am I going to have to push my return? Am I going to have to think about remaining in the workforce alone? No, I think, I think I, w I wouldn't cause anybody to panic over this. But I would say, look, it is incumbent upon making sure this economy functions right. It's incumbent upon us to make sure that we have enough people in the skilled trades. Every major challenge that this country is confronting is going to require people who know what they're doing. That's the labor force of this country. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. Okay, buddy. So, Singer, Canadians get to work longer since we're getting older? Do you think you have to push the retirement age back? Or? No, we got to find ways to take care of our seniors, for sure. We, we've called for that. We campaigned on that. Making sure seniors have uh, a livable income to live in respect and dignity. No question about it. For the main the population vieillit de plus en plus. L'immigration est insuffisante. Qu'est-ce qu'il faut faire? Je pense que plus immigration, c'est une solution. Plus de formation pour avoir les, les bonnes formations pour le, le bon travail. Ça, c'est une question qui a été soulevée. Une, une réponse qui va euh, régler le problème aussi. Merci so beaucoup.
Good afternoon, everyone. Bonjour tout le monde. We are joined today by Minister Patty Haidu and Nelson Barbosa from Indigenous Services Canada, who will be available for questions. And we are also joined by the following virtually, Elder Eunice Birdie, who will provide opening and closing prayers, Chief Wayne Munias from Nishkandaga First Nation, Chief Doreen Spence from Tatasquia Cree Nation, Chief Emily Witang from Curve Lake First Nation, Roy Munias from Nishkandaga First Nation, and Sharon Sackney from Nishkandaga First Nation, as well as Harry Laforme, Michael Rosenberg, and Curtis Bergeron, who will be available for uh, questions in the media avail. Following the opening prayer and remarks, we will have around 40 to 45 minutes for questions. We will start with any questions that we may have in the room, followed by Zoom. One question and one follow-up. If you have a question on Zoom, please use the raise hand function. Après les mots d'ouverture, nous aurons à peu près 45 minutes pour une période de questions. Nous allons commencer avec les questions dans la salle, suivies par Zoom. Une question et une question en suivi. Si vous avez une question, s'il vous plaît, utilisez la fonction « Levez la main ». And we will now begin with an opening prayer from Elder Beardy. Apago 
Well, thank you very much, uh, Elder Beardy, for starting us off in such a good way. Thank you. Um, Tanzi, Anine, hello, bonjour. Merci de vous joindre à nous aujourd'hui pour cette mise à jour et cette annonce concernant le règlement sur l'eau potable des Premières Nations conclues l'été dernier et approuvé par les tribunaux au cours de l'hiver. J'aimerais commencer par reconnaître que nous sommes sur le territoire traditionnel non cédé de peuple Anishinaabegue Algonquin. And before we quickly, uh, before we jump into today's update on the First Nations drinking water settlement, I did want to uh, say that we uh, know that COVID-19 is still having a very significant impact on First Nations communities at this, per uh, at this particular time. And I want to assure communities that Indigenous services remains ready to help whenever and however we can. Our officials in Ottawa are working with uh, many communities as we speak and our regional offices are there just a phone call away if anything is needed and there still remains funding available through the Indigenous Community Support Fund in our efforts to protect each other. So back to the reason that we're here. Thank you so much for joining us on this very important day as we provide an update on the First Nations drinking water settlement now that it's been finalized and implementation is underway and announced that the claims period is open. So those who are seeking compensation through settlement can now apply. Again, Elder Beardy, thank you for your opening prayer. I'm thrilled that we're joined today by Chief Wayne Munius of Nishkandiga First Nation, Chief Doreen Spence of Tataskwayak Cree Nation, and Chief Emily Witang of Curve Lake First Nation. And as well, there are community members from Nishkandiga and Tataskwayak as well who will be available and will share some of their lived experiences. For the questions and answers portion, I'm thrilled to be joined uh, by officials from Indigenous Services Canada, Nelson Barbosa, who's here with me, and Curtis Bergeron. Thank you again for being here. And representatives from Oltheus Clare Township, the Honourable Harry Laforme, and from McCarthy, McCarthy Tetro, Michael Rosenberg. Um, and they will answer questions on the settlement process. Through this settlement agreement, Canada accepts the role that the government has played in, the first, in First Nations' lack of access to clean drinking water. The settlement acknowledges the significant harm and discrimination that First Nations people have felt and experienced at the hands of the Canadian government. 
The settlement also ensures, however, that safeguards are in place so that we can rebuild trust and confidence amongst First Nations in their water supply and in their relationship with the Government of Canada. Nous envoyons également un message clair. Les futures générations d'enfants de Première Nation auront accès à une eau potable. Ce règlement s'appuie sur les investissements que notre gouvernement a fait depuis 2015 pour éliminer les avis à long terme sur l'eau potable dans la communauté de Première Nation et empêcher qu'ils ne se reproduisent. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The courts approved this agreement on December 23rd, 2021, and now individuals who have been affected can file their claims. There's detailed information about the settlement agreement with links to apply for compensation online at firstnationsdrinkingwater.ca. This webpage is managed and operated by representatives for class members. As mentioned, full details of the settlement agreement are available online and implementation is now underway. And this includes our commitments to invest at least $6 billion for reliable access to safe drinking water on reserve, $1.5 billion in compensation for individuals, $400 million for a First Nations Economic and Cultural Restoration Fund. This is money that will go directly to communities, and that funding has now flowed from Canada to administrators to do the work. And an ongoing and renewed commitment to lifting all long-term drinking water advisories on public systems that are on reserve. The creation and operation of a First Nations Advisory Committee on Safe Drinking Water that will provide guidance and recommendations to Indigenous services on policy initiatives. And a plan to modernize Canada's First Nations drinking water legislation and support to First Nations so they can develop their own safe drinking water bylaws and initiatives. And on that last front, I can tell you that the repeal of the Safe Drinking Water for First Nations Act is included as part of Budget 2022 measures, and we hope that Parliament will review this uh, legislation quickly. This is something that First Nations have long advocated for, and I'm hoping to be able to provide updates this year on replacement legislation as we continue engagement with Indigenous peoples on that work. I can only imagine how frustrating and heartbreaking it has been for people working so hard to address this issue. This crucial issue today is a, a critical movement and the settlement agreement, agreement is an important step. And I'm very glad that we're here. 
I'd like to thank the leadership of Tatasquayak Cree Nation, Curve Lake First Nation, and Nishkandik of First Nations, not only for their efforts on behalf of their communities and people that live in their communities, but really for all First Nations members who have lived with non-drinkable water, non water for far too long. I can tell you that as of today, 132 long-term drinking water advisories have been lifted in First Nations communities since 2015. In addition, 215 short-term drinking water advisories have been prevented from becoming long-term. And we continue to work on the remaining 33 long-term drinking water advisories so that everyone can have clean drinking water. I want to be clear that the settlement agreement is only one part of the work that we're doing with First Nations. While our work on lifting advisories continues, our focus is very much on preventing boil water advisories from becoming um, long-term in community, building capacity, and building accountability. This work is reconciliation and action, and it can only be achieved in partnership with First Nations. All families and all communities should have access to clean drinking water. That is our goal. That is our resolute commitment. We'll continue to work together. Thank you very much. And I'll now turn it over to community members Roy Munias and Sharon Sackany, as well as Chief Munias from Nishkandiga First Nation, who will speak about their experiences. So I'll turn to you, Chief Munias. Okay, thank you, uh, Minister Haju. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to uh, allow us to share some of our experiences. As you know, Nishkanaga First Nation is still under a boil water advisory, uh, reaching now 27 plus years. So uh, we have a couple members here that have worked tirelessly, worked hard to try to move this issue to the point where we can actually finally get clean, safe drinking water. They've seen, observed a lot of things that occurs in our community. So I wanna ask first, uh, Roy Munias, he's, he's very uh, knowledgeable in the community. He works on these uh, projects like the water issue, and he has a lot of experiences and a lot of uh, challenges that he's faced. And I uh, wanted to give him an opportunity to share uh, uh, to share some of those things that we face as a First Nation community. Okay, miigwech. Okay, uh, uh, good afternoon, Honorable uh, Adi Haidu. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to uh, to meet with Nashkandaga First Nation. Also, I'd like to uh, thank the elder for for the prayer, the importance of uh, the water she mentioned in her own, own, own language. And uh, water is life to, to us, not only uh, First Nation people, but everybody. So Chiefs, Miigwech, Tinnawa, thank you Chiefs. Um, I wanted to say, uh, you know, uh, 
Uh, some of you don't know uh, where Nishkandaga is. Um, we uh, originally uh, were from Lansdowne House, First Nation. Then we, we uh, relocated uh, west, about uh, seven miles west of uh, Lansdowne House. And that's where Nishkandaga is. And I've been living in Nishkandaga since uh, 1989. There was no uh, infrastructure, no hydro, no water and sewer, no roads. Was commuting uh, by canoe in the summertime to Lansdowne House. In the winter times, I would be commuting by uh, snowmobiles. In uh, Nishkandaga, uh, when the community started uh, the relocation process, they wanted to see uh, better life, living conditions that Lansdowne didn't have. We had so many challenges in the old community. And People say, we want to relocate. We want to move so our future generation can prosper, not live like what we lived, experienced in Lansdowne House. We had no running water, nothing. Some of us had no hydro. Some of us uh, lived in uh, tent frames. We had no adequate housing. The only people that benefit was the uh, government people. They had everything, water and sewer, everything. But us as Nishinaabe people, indigenous people, didn't have nothing. In 1993, That's when our water treatment plan was commissioned in 1993 and to provide portable water to the community. All people were so happy that we have running water. And as the uh, the water treatment plant arises issues like it was all governments doing how they dictate what kind of system the community should have. I remember when I uh, was in a meeting with, uh, it was INAC, they used to call him a long time ago, saying that, okay, we'll try this uh, system, a slow sand filtration system. And people didn't uh, appreciate the water that was coming out. It was yellow, 
And here we have a water treatment plant in a community. You know, we've gone through a lot of uh, negotiations with the government. Like I said, INOC, then they change over to, uh, you know, uh, AANDC. We uh, negotiated with them. They change over to, uh, you know, uh, Indig Indigenous Services Canada. We've met so many ministers. And we're still struggling today. We don't have clean, safe drinking water today. Why is that? During the election campaign in 2015, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said, in five years, Every First Nation will have clean, safe drinking water. And still today, our community don't have clean, safe drinking water. The Shandiga First Nation has the most poor long-term long drinking water advisory in Canada. We've been counting days today, 9,948 days, or 27 years, two months, and 27 days initiated on February 1, 1995. People always question, why is that? Why is Canada doing this to us? We had our treatability study completed and it sat there for many years collecting dust. I just wanted to say that because I feel like I'm somewhere in the dust, somewhere in the government of Canada. Our people here in the Shkandiga. Today, our water treatment plant is incomplete and our people have lost hope in this project. And the government of Canada should be accountable. For the wrongdoing Of, our, of this community and our people and myself. 
I want to just touch base on the uh, the class action. I myself don't support government's uh, court format. People have have made so many comments. Why is government dictating compensation? 25 years I suffered, 27 years I suffered. My family and everybody in the community here. 27 years of buying bottled water in the store just to accommodate Now I'm only entitled for uh, four years plus two years, six years max. That is BS. Who made, who made that call, the format? There's people here that only gonna get six years max. So frustrating. Okay, so uh, I just want to say that I'm not I'm not in agreement with the uh, the settlement myself and the and the community. Also, I heard the community say the same thing. They're not in agreement. Ingach, thank you. Chief Munias, do you have other speakers from Nishkandiga? Hello, yeah, thank you, uh, Roy. I know you can hear the, the frustration in our in, in his uh, words. And uh, obviously, uh, when we talk about justice, when we talk about the fairness of uh, and the treatments of individuals, basic human individuals, we, we often hear those kind of things. So um, Sharon Sackney is our next speaker. He's a help, she's a health director and she's been living here throughout the, the term of the, the BWA. So uh, I'll get her to speak and I'll close it off for a few minutes with some comments after. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge um, the elder for the prayer and um, thank you for letting me speak today. Um, my name is Sharon Sackney, and I'm the health director for the community. Um, I have been in this uh, capacity for close to 10 years now. And uh, 
over the course of the years that I've been working here. Um, I've seen a lot. And, um, you know, this, uh, this uh, long-term well, water advisory that's been in our community for 27 years. It's been, it's been, you know, like I've seen so many, so many, so many things happening, working at the, you know, working, working at the nursing station where people have, you know, suffered they have suffered this, you know, 27 years. We had um, we had many people come in come into the nursing station where they have reported, you know, skin rashes and rashes from from the water. Like they have no choice when they want to, you know, take a bath or wash their clothes. We don't have that capacity where we can use boiled water. I mean, water bottles to, you know, bathe with. So over the course of the years, I've seen so many things that has um, affected the community from this boiled water. I know, I know one, in one case where people with diabetes. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This person who has diabetes had an, had an infection on his, uh, on his foot, on his leg. And what he was, what this person was told was to, you know, soak your feet. How can you, how can this person soak, soak their feet three times a day when they don't have the proper clean water? We are asked to use bottled water, you know, to bathe, to cook, to clean, and, and that's not acceptable. We have many people in the community that are diabetic. And what ended up happening for this individual is that person ended up having an amputation. 
lost his foot. And those are the kind of things that we face today in all, in all these years of having, by not having clean drinking water. Yes, we have community members that are, that are still suffering today from, from this uh, boil water. We still have people going in with rashes and skin conditions because of it. It's just not acceptable. So this long-term bowl water has affected so many of our community members. Even, even through mental health, we, we still have the state of emergency that was declared back in 2013 for suicide. That was never lifted. Since, since February 1, 1995, 27 years ago, when our community has declared, you know, a ball water advisory, that same year in March, I had a, I had a son. He would have been 27 years old today. I lost him through suicide in 2012, November 2012. He never got to drink from the tap. He never got to drink clean drinking water since the day he was born. And that's what all, all our children today are facing that have never accessed clean drinking water. All the children and youth that are, you know, born after the boil water advisory. It's unfortunate that we have lost so many over the years including my late son, who never got a chance to drink from the tap as he passed away in 2012. And with this water settlement, I don't agree with it too. I can't even do anything about my late son because the courts are saying, you only have to go back so many years. And what about these, these people that we lost that never even got that chance to have safe drinking water in the community? Who's gonna speak up for them? So I, I too don't, uh, I don't agree with the, the courts and how this was, this was brought out. 
you know, this whole water advisory that we still have today. It's just a not another form of genocide to our people. When is it going to end? Everybody is entitled to safe drinking water. And I don't know why we have gone this long to not have it. It's just not acceptable. And I'm and where I am today, I'm gonna keep keep fighting, keep advocating for our people. Because we need that. We live in one of the richest countries in the world. And we don't even have clean drinking water. And I think, you know, enough is enough. Something needs to be done. It's, it's been way too long. And we're, we're starting to see more and more mental health issues arise in the community because of this. Okay, I like to uh, I like to end it with that, and I thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak. Um, thank you, Honorable Patty Heidel. Miigwech. Okay, thank you, uh, uh, Roy and Sharon. Uh, I'll just say a few words. Uh, I think it's clear the frustrations that our community is facing because it's been over a quarter century when we're talking about uh, the necessity of life for for any person, whether if they're living in the in the community, in the community of Nishkandigan. So, uh, so it's important that we uh, we acknowledge that, and we also know how the uh, the justice system the the european legal system oftentimes victimizes the uh, the most vulnerable and i think it's important that uh, we also have to acknowledge that you heard from two of our members that spoke about that the injustices the things that have gone the limitation periods of the court system the way things are being portrayed, despite the fact that you have long-term suffering. Even when the boil water advisory is lifted, there's gonna be further suffering. And that's what you hear from these two speakers that spoke. This is real. This is the truth about uh, what's happening in our community and maybe in other communities. When you don't have the basic necessity of life, when you don't have clean access to clean drinking water in your homes. You heard a mother just spoke here. Her son would have been 27 years old. We have another mother in the community uh, when her teenage daughter took her own life while she was getting water from the water treatment plant. 
a reverse osmosis unit. Those are tragedies that we cannot forget. And we must do better in order to uh, ensure that we avoid and prevent those kind of things. Sharon said it best, the time to act. Enough is enough. Where the most vulnerable are being dictated by somebody else, by policies that don't necessarily work in our communities. So um, I wanted to thank Roy and Sharon for their words, for sharing their experiences. This is real. This is the truth, what we're seeing in our community. And I'm uh, grateful for, their, uh, uh, for sharing that because this is a retrospect of what our community is right now. We're still living in a bowl water advisory, 27 plus years. And we know that there's disagreement has some, uh, is, a, is a path, is something that we can look at, definitely, but there still needs to be a lot of work. There still needs to be a lot of healing. There, there still needs to be repairs of the harms that was inflicted on our, on our people, not just in Neshkanaga, but right across the country. It's so critical. If we want to build a, a reconciliation, a path to healing, we have to address these basic fundamental rights of individuals, especially when, when our most vulnerable, our youth, our children are impacted. And this is something that... Uh, that's um, very heartbreaking when we continue to see that in our community, when we continue to see those kind of uh, injustices. And we hope that uh, the healing will start a path to reconciliation, true reconciliation, true action oriented that's going to impact uh, the lives of our people at the local level, not, uh, not uh, elsewhere. At our, at our, in our homes, in our, in, our, in our young people, in our young mothers, in our young fathers, in the grandparents that live in our, in, our, in our communities, to be able to have the basic necessity of life, which is clean access to clean drinking water. So miigwech, Minister Haiju, thank you for the uh, prayers from the elder, and um, also our sincerest thanks to Roy and Sharon for sharing their experiences. Miigwech, thank you. Yeah. Miigwech, uh, Chief Munias and, and Roy and Sharon for sharing your stories so uh, rawly and so truly. Um, and a special miigwech to Sharon for speaking about her son and the loss of her son as a, as a mom. I certainly um, can't imagine anything more devastating than losing a child. So thank you for sharing those stories. Um, I will now turn to Chief Doreen Spence of Tatasquayak Cree Nation to share a few words. Chief Spence. Hello. I'm just going to take my glasses off. Before I get started, I want to thank um, Elder Eunice Beardy uh, for the opening prayer. And I also wanted to thank Chief Monias and his members as well for speaking. I can just feel and hear your emotions and when you guys speak and I feel the same way too. 
But, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I have notes here, but I don't really think I'm going to follow. I'm just going to speak from, from what we've been living through, I guess. <clears throat> With this announcement for this well watery advisory, you know, we had to fight for this. Everything that First Nations want, you know, when we advocate for our people, <clears throat> there's always a stumbling block that we have to, you know, we have to make everyone aware what we're feeling, what we're dealing with, what we're living with. And <clears throat> I think it's hard too for, um, I don't know, like ministers or federal government to understand because you guys don't see the everyday impacts of what we go through. I just wanted to, for some of you that don't know, um, we live in Tatashwiakri Nation, which is Split Lake, Manitoba. Um, we've been under a boil watery advisory since 2017. And it was extended again in May, eight, May 2018. So it's been like five years already. And I know that my time as a chief and even a counselor, and even years before that, members from my community have always known our water is not safe to drink. Not having clean drinking water has um, devastating effects on all of us in, in consequences, I guess, too, for, for every generation. I just wanted to speak to like on behalf of the ones that are just being born or in the last 20 years or so, I would really say how the water's been changed, changed over time. Um, these, these young people don't even know what normal, water is drinking water. I bet you if some of them went to other um, First Nations or other areas, they're, they're taken away, they're blown away sometimes on how clean the water is that they can actually see. Not in my community, our water is polluted. So my time as a chief and council member to and working alongside with my other council members and, you know, input from all of our members, especially our elders, some have passed on already. I also wanted, I want to acknowledge um, one of them. His name was Victor Spence. He passed away this winter and he's always been advising myself not just myself, but other chiefs as well. He worked for the First Nation for about 30 plus years. And whenever I needed advice about anything, he was there and, you know, gave me input and he just passed along what was, what was shared with the elders that he worked with too, or what they talked about, what the former chiefs talked about. But I just wanted to do a little acknowledgement for him too. Right now, even with this announcement that's being made, I can tell you right now, too, that I'm not happy about it either, because I I know that these other First Nations have been on, on a boil water advisory for many years, 20 plus years, and they're only being compensated, compensated for 
a set amount of number of years, which I think is unfair. You know, we all have to live through these impacts and I know that this compensation is supposed to help, but to me that that's not the foremost thing. It's me having access to that clean drinking water. So I know over the past years or so, we've been really fighting and advocating to have a clean source of drinking water. And I believe um, right now that is happening. It is gonna happen, but that's gonna be another number of years until all those until it's put into put into effect. But during that time, during this time, you know, we are still using our own source revenue, our own funding. We've hired our own hydrologist to work alongside with us because we're doing our own water quality testing as well. And we will probably continue to do this for many years because we're impacted too, you know, by industry, I guess. Um, most of the water that flows from the city of Winnipeg, I should say, um, flows directly to us. And I just read an article just last night that came to my attention that so much uh, sewage was leaked when they had this high water uh, rainstorm or this past weekend. And all that raw sewage is gonna be coming to us. Like to me, that's unacceptable. There has to be better plans and commitments, I guess, from even the province, I guess, in terms of what exactly are you guys still continuing to do with us First Nation people? I'm pretty sure that everyone is aware too about what's happening here in, in regards to doing this litigation is making the federal government aware of this injustice, I guess, of not having clean drinking water. And I'm glad that both chiefs here, Chief Monias and also Chief Emily Wittung have been part of this because we're not just doing it for our First Nations, it's for everyone, all the other First Nations across Canada. And I know that every First Nation as well has their own unique, different problems in terms of water quality and service, I guess. But I wanted to mention this too, like the settlements, the settlement agreement, right? It's making a promise to end all boil watery advisories. And we know that this is not gonna happen overnight. We all know that. And even if we, if this continues for us to argue for what we want. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That stumbling block is still there because we know that federal government usually dictates in terms of, no, this is what you're gonna get. This is how we're gonna get get rid of the boil watery advisory. But you know what? I don't find, I think that's an unacceptable. And if you really, if you talk about this 
reconciliation with First Nations, then you really need to hear what we want. You need to hear our input. Yeah. But um, I don't, I'm gonna let Chief Beard, uh, Elder Beardy speak as well. But I want her to speak too in terms of long ago of how our water was and how pristine it was. I also, um, want to mention that uh, <clears throat> the settlement agreement, until we have clean drinking water flowing into the taps of my people, then I would believe that the federal government has honored us in terms of providing that, you know, removing these boil watery advisories. I also wanted to mention too that the federal government, I think this is important that I say this too. Federal government always follows what Health Canada wants in terms of what exactly is clean drinking water. Well, with myself, with our First Nation, we disagree. So that's why we've uh, put in additional dollars to do further testing because we find we have toxins in our water. Um, we have blue algae. I don't have the correct uh, terminology, but I think it's cyber bacteria. And I think a lot of people, a lot of First Nations should be aware that if it's in our water, it could be in yours too. And I think that um, further testing has to be done and you know, we're working closely too with a hydrologist um, as well. He's been working with us for a number of years. And I think it's important too that, you know, we can no longer, we shouldn't be, a, we shouldn't be so accepting, I guess, in terms of Health Canada, the federal government saying what's best for us. We know what's best for us. We're the ones that live it. We know what's happening in terms of the water and how it's affecting our members. You know, what, what Sharon mentioned earlier in terms of rashes. We have those two. We also have people with stomach ailments. And I honestly believe too that we have lost people due to cancer. And um, I wanted this is an input. I wanted to mention this to the minister to Minister Hadju. I would like to send a personal invitation for you to come to Tahaskwia Cree Nation. Come and see our community, so you would get a better understanding and see firsthand our living conditions and see what we are living with. And you can hear yourself from other people speak. And having 
to not live with clean drinking water all these years. So if you really say that, you know, reconciliation to make it up for us to our First Nation, I think you ministers need to start coming to our First Nations to see firsthand what is in our community. Then maybe you'll have a better understanding and realize how we're deeply impacted by not having the access to clean drinking water. But I want to um, finish. I want to thank the other chiefs, you know, for being part of this. Chief Emily Rayton from Privilege First Nation. And I believe that there was another chief Onias, and this is the new chief um, that was, was taken over, I guess. Um, I want to thank you guys. And I also wanted to thank to my council members and I guess my community as well for bringing everything to light. Thank you. So I'll let um, Dr. Eunice Beardy speak. Tansy. Simon. I agree to everyone here, and I would like to extend my thanks to the three chief trio for not giving up. I have a lot of um, issues about our waters, the quality of water. When I was a little girl, the water was so clear, we could just drink right out, right out of the lake. We used to be able to throw dimes in the water and swim for them. And we used to do a lot of swimming. We used to go out on the boats. We used to look at the fish swimming. It was very healthy our water back then. Nowadays, you can't see your hand. When you put your arm in the water, you can't see the end of your hand. That's how polluted our water is. You know that um, pollution to our water is caused by the corporate sector hydro. They don't realize the damage that uh, that's been done because years ago nature automatically cleared our water they purified our water there was plants there that did the purification 
there's a lot of um, waste that goes into our water. You can see it. There's a lot of damage done to our, our community people. Those damages have already been uh, mentioned by the other band members. There's rashes. There's, I suffer from H. pylori myself and that's from the water. And it's, it doesn't, it's not a very good feeling when you're under that, that pain. I lost a sister-in-law through there. And, you know, I'm, I'm an educator as well. And back in 19, in the early 70s, our children didn't have any difficulty learning. Now today, they're not retaining information. There's a lot of things that's happening to our youth, mental health issues. And that's caused by the water. You know, um, our, in our culture, we look after the water is sacred. It heals us, it cleans us. It, we live. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the water. And we also look at the whole picture. Our animals, our fish are also being affected by the water. And I really feel for those that don't have a voice to um, talk about how the water is affecting them. And I really pray the government listens with both ears. You know, it's time that they heard our people and listen to them, not just give them a little bit just to keep us quiet for a while. We have to think about our future, our future generation. They need that clean water. I really, um, I'm really, uh, I was just reading through some of the stuff for that um, class action lawsuit for that um, water. It's not fair. How can you put a limit on when you start getting sick and when you stop? That doesn't make sense at all. You know, our young people see what happens to, to us, how we're treated. And I've never been hesitant to bring that up anywhere. 
we are not treated equally. This is our land. We are we were put here to look after the water, the native people, and especially the women. You know the women when you're when you're in your mother's womb, you're in water. And that's sacred. That's life-giving from our creator. And now these children that are being born are having a lot of mental or physical problems just from the water, just from birth, because the mothers have to drink that water. Why is it, why is it that other people that come into our communities, they're treated really well if they're not native. Why is it the government makes sure that all people in cities have good water? We have, um, we live about an hour and a half from Thompson and they have good water, but still they, their waste comes towards a split lake. Why can't our water be as good as theirs, as good as the ones they put on the, into the cities? I don't understand why we can't have that clean water for our people. You know, sometimes I just would like to go up to Trudeau and just See if he's really listening. He's, he makes promises, but he doesn't keep them. And that's what's been happening to us all these. How, how would um, how would they like to just have a glass of Javix? That's what it seems like. Sometimes that Javix is so strong, just to keep our water clean. But that's not clean water. That's Javix water. You know, these, these things have to be um, bought out, things like that. We need, it's about time the government takes note of what's happening in our communities. You know, it's fine to sit out there and make all these decisions for First Nations, but we don't get a chance to voice our concerns and our voice to what we need in our community for our people. 
And I'm hoping that someday, before it's my time to leave this earth, I see that clean water for our young people. So it'll be there for the ones that are not born yet. I, I really, it's, it's very emotional for me talking about this. Because I've lost, I've seen so many of my elders that were healthy leave this earth because of the water. But um, I was only given seven minutes, so I guess with that I would ask, um, uh, what's his name? The Honorable Minister, please hear what we're saying. Take it to heart. Don't just let it sit in the dust like um, the chief mentioned. We need action. And I know a lot of my other fellow elders feel the same way. But I'm very happy that I was given this time, this opportunity to share my thoughts too. I want to thank Chief, my Chief, for inviting me and allowing me to share some of the past, present, and hope for the future for our communities, all our communities. Well, thank you very much, um, Chief Spence and Elder Beardy, for the very powerful words. And I agree, uh, nobody should fight, have to fight so hard for basic human rights. And I think what we've heard so far in the speakers so far is, is um, a, a sense and a, a commitment to calling out the inequity that so many Indigenous people have faced over so many years, but also a commitment to continue to fight for those basic um, foundations of, of, of humanity, including clean water. And that's what's, I think, uh, good news about this settlement, is that it's not just about individual compensation, which I agree will never make up for ongoing harms in people's lives, but is an acknowledgement of that harm. But certainly, I think, equally importantly, and something I've heard in the fight and determination and all the voices so far is the commitment and the, procure, the, the ability to uh, arrive at a settlement that allows for at least $6 billion to, for once and for all, end all long-term boil water advisories. And, and you do have my commitment, Elder Beardy, and I know the commitment of the Prime Minister and the Government of Canada to continue to work and to invest those monies as diligently and as quickly as possible so we can get to that vision that you have had and that many elders have for the next generation. So with that, I'll turn to Chief Widong to give a few words about uh, Curve Lake and uh, your perspectives. Chief Emily Widong. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information.